Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. So, Kirstie, today we are talking about food that is needed for a feeding eval. Now, the way I got this list together is this is not the food that's needed in a perfect feeding eval, right? So, in a perfect situation, if you're going to do a feeding eval, then you would call the parent the day before and say, hey, you know, I'm going to see little Johnny tomorrow and tell me what kind of foods he is eating and not eating and sort of the problems. And then you kind of help direct the family on what to bring in. Tell me, bring me some foods that he definitely will eat and then also some foods that he totally not going to eat. But you and I both know what came over on that doctor's referral <laughs> said speech language therapy, eval and treat. Yeah. And so you're getting ready to do standardized testing yes. on language or Our that sort of or thing. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then in context of asking the history during the initial evaluation for speech language, yeah. you find out I need some stuff from the kitchen. Right, right, exactly. So in the perfect world, you'd have everything all nice and pretty and beautiful and rainbows and unicorns are flying in and out and it's awesome right all of this stuff is happening <laughs> so and you've got the family you're like oh well he doesn't like to eat this and you've got the categories of things that he does eat and then the categories of things he doesn't eat and you ask the family to bring categories of foods from the things he doesn't eat into the feeding session and it's all beautiful but in this scenario I'm going to talk about where you are working with a child and you don't have any the family either forgot to bring all the food or you start to do the evaluation and you realize just the scenario that you said where wait a minute I don't have any of the food but this child presents with a lot of feeding problems I need to do that today or basically here's the foods that you need to have handy you know, so that if you have to do a quick feeding eval or you have to do therapy and you have nothing to use for food, here's some options, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of things that we have in our clinics that we keep as sort of standard operating procedure all the time. Now, if I'm doing feeding therapy with a child week after week after week after week, this doesn't work because it's the same kind of thing, right? But if I have to do feeding therapy today and there's the family forgot to bring food in or wasn't able to bring food in, or if I have to do a feed evaluation and they didn't bring food in because I didn't know I was going to really do a feeding evaluation to the level I need to do one, I got something so we can get our job done, right? Maybe not perfect, but I got something. Because you know if you send them out to the Chick-fil-A, they're going to be in line for Right, a little so bit forget in. that. So don't, <laughs> yeah, because where the appointment was at noon and the Chick-fil-A line was around the building twice and they just had to get on here with the feeding of how it wasn't going to happen today. So these are the kind of standard things I have. So first you have to think about what do you want to accomplish? So again, a child's coming in and the family says, yeah, they don't really eat anything. So I have to look at all the various ideas of, I have to basically figure out what can they do and what can't they do, right? Mm -hmm. So to figure out what can they do, I need to start by the safest and the least invasive food possible. So the safest thing is pureed and also it's the least invasive, I meaning you have to do the least amount of work and I know in terms of swallowing safety is the safest. Now, hold on, let me just say, if a child's just taking his NPO and has a G-tube, I'm not doing any of this, right? Because that's completely not safe. But if a child is taking something by mouth and I'll have to ask the questions a lot about what they can take by mouth and I know that they're safe for PO intake, then I can go here. So the first two pureed things that you wanna have, I keep all the time, is applesauce and pudding. Now, why applesauce and pudding? Not the pudding kind that you have to refrigerate, right? Because this is worst case scenario. So you, what if you're taking this in your like tote bag to a house? You can't have something you got to refrigerate. You don't have a refrigerator. So applesauce and pudding. 
And the reason I have the two is for specific reasons. One, if they're allergic to milk, you forget the pudding, you know. But also, I like different levels of puree. You know, puree is the safest, but also levels of puree. So I've got the applesauce because it's an easier puree than the pudding. You know, so if I need to go up a level or down a level in the puree category, then I can because I've got, if there's no milk allergy. So I've got pudding and I've got applesauce. Also, some kids who love sweet, sweet, sweets and they're only eating sweets. So family, the family comes in and like, he'll only eat chips, which I know that's not sweet, but only eats chips, only eats crackers, only eats, you know, that kind of stuff. So basically their diet consists of just crunchy, really chewy junk food, salty, salty, junk, salty or super sweet junk food, then pudding. You know, because the applesauce, they're going to be like, mm, I don't know what you're selling, but I'm not doing that. You also like the individual containers, so you're yes. not spooning no. out of yes. a big container. Yes. They've got to be individual packed. Because it's like one serving per yep. person, child, you know. So if I open a pack of pudding, it's either yours for life or it's going into trash. You know, I'm not going to save it for the next kid down the no. road, you know. And same thing with the pudding. So, and then I can also buy them in bulk. For both of those purees, I can, can create a thickened liquid, which we're going to talk about quickly. So both of those, applesauce and pudding, will help me to create a thickened liquid that we're going to talk about later when I assess liquids and stuff. So applesauce and pudding. Uh, also, let me just say, because this is the time to say this as well, really feel very strongly about having a maroon spoon to do a feeding about. I mean, I can use other spoons, but I don't like it. I just don't like it, you know? <laughs> so I like a maroon spoon. Not the big fat maroon spoon, but the thin maroon spoon. And here's why because it doesn't have too much of a bowl so it can be a flat bowl so for those kids who can't get food off of the spoon with a deep deep bowl I can figure that out about what kind of level of they can do or can't do with that you know plus it gives a lot of stability to the tongue and to the jaw so for kids who have trouble with like jaw or tongue stability in terms of bolus formation they can sort of bite down on that and then I can slide the spoon out of their mouth maybe they're not closing their lips to do that and I have to do a lot of help so it helps me assess like the level and I like to use the same spoon because then I have a benchmark you know because if you do a lot of a feeding evals as a therapist there's a couple of tools that you have to have in place so that you can create sort of that benchmark assessment for yourself you know what I'm saying physical therapy I'm sure you've got some certain things that you kind of like these are your go-to's and that you use it across the board with different kids so that you kind of start to tell, figure out normal versus not normal you know I mean I don't know what it is for the physical therapist but for me I know it's a maroon spoon and if Hayden can't find her maroon spoon it's get not out of a good the way. day I am <laughs> digging through something to find myself some maroon spoon and I actually but don't tell anybody this I'm only just gonna say it on the podcast to my very closest thousands of friends have some hidden away but don't tell anybody because <laughs> I won't tell anybody if you won't but I have a few like hidden away maroon spoons that are just for me. All right, so first off, you've got your purees, okay, right? So we talked about the puree and the need for the maroon spoon. So now I can assess with a puree, you know, can they take a puree? Can they take a bolus? Can they feed themselves with the spoon? Can they not? How do they scoop? I know that a speech therapist doesn't typically work on scooping, but I need to know kind of what's happening with that. So do they need an OT referral? Do they not? You know, that kind of thing. Can they close their lips? What's their jaw support like with the spoon, without a spoon? Can they move t their tongue side to side, up and down? Can they move the bolus, can they form a bolus and create the bolus in the mouth and then swallow? All that stuff I can assess with applesauce and pudding. Now I need to know, okay, so maybe the same child that only eats the chips and the cookies, we figured out what they can do with a puree, and I can also sort of see the swallow. Is it a delayed swallow? Are they swallowing pretty quick? Like, are they choking when they swallow? That can tell me what's happening next, where I need to go. So I can sort of do a clinical swallow assessment to determine and look for some simple signs of aspiration with a food that's fairly safe. 
you know? So if I see them gasping and choking with the first swallow, we're stopping, you know? But if not, then, you know, all the other signs, anyway, we'll go from there. But this podcast is about the food that you need, not necessarily about what you're doing once you get the food, right? Okay. The next thing is mechanical soft. So these two things, you've got to be able to assess mechanical soft. So the two things I like to do that are Ritz crackers and vanilla wafers. Now, why do I like that? Because if the child takes nothing mechanical soft wise, like no chopped up anything and no slippery slimy foods like spaghetti, bananas, noodles of any type of sort, but any kind of soft, non-regular diet texture stuff, then that's mechanical soft. So the first thing I want to do is uh, so slowly figure out to assess that is I can take a scoop of pudding or applesauce and I can take the Ritz crackers and I can take a few little and put them on top of each spoon bite. Not take the, the whole thing of applesauce or the whole thing of pudding and crumble the crackers on top of that. Take this spoon and then crumble a few little crackers on top of that so I can see. And at first I start with like one little tiny crumble. Can they take it? Two little crumbles. Can they take it? And then I increase the level of crumbles and crackers on top of each spoon bite. And that tells me how far they can go with mechanical soft, creating a bolus, not creating a bolus, choking, gagging, spitting it out. Can they find the one crumble? Because sometimes children can. Or can they take like a whole little chunk of a cracker? And what can they do with it? And it's safer than if I just go to the cracker or the cookie because I don't know if they're going to choke on that or not. And so then I know I've got some kind of puree that's helping things move back down. So it's pretty safe. I go with a Ritz cracker to start with because also Ritz crackers dissolve quickly with saliva. So it's safer, safest thing. Because remember, this is the worst case scenario food. I don't know very much about this child, so I got to pick safe and I got to get some results. I mean, I got to get some assessment data so I can write up something so I can figure out if this kid needs therapy or not. So I like the grits cracker because it dissolves quickly. So if they also don't like it, it'll dissolve quickly in that pudding or that applesauce quickly so it's not too noxious on their tongue and stuff. Okay, so the next thing I go to is after the Ritz crackers, I do the same thing with vanilla wafer because the vanilla wafer doesn't break down as good with saliva and water and all that stuff. And it offers a little bit more texture. So if they can handle the Ritz cracker with no problem, then I do the same thing with vanilla wafer. So I'm just kind of seeing for mechanical soft because I don't have anything else, kind of their level of being able to handle a mechanical soft texture to figure out what they can do and what they can't do. So then I go from the individual spoon bite with mechanical soft to spooning some of that stuff on a plate and then really like crumbling up some cookie or some cracker in there. So I really get kind of a lot of cookie or cracker with just like a little bit of pudding or a little bit of applesauce and not a lot of whatever else it is. So now I need to figure out, okay, what can you do with crunchy? Well, number one, can you bite? Not like skin or people, but like food for food consumption. So can you bite? So can you chew? Can you bite from the front, from the side? How will you tolerate that? So the first thing I'm going to do is a Ritz cracker because remember, they dissolve faster with saliva and they're easier to bite through. So I'm going to break the Ritz cracker in half and actually I'm really going to break the Ritz cracker in fourth and I'm just going to hold it on the edge of their mouth, on the side of their mouth, right between their teeth to only let them see if they can bite like a teeny tiny bit because now it's just the Ritz cracker by itself. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know if they can get it back into their mouth to swallow. My best guess is pretty educated guess at this point. They can because I wouldn't have moved there if they couldn't do it fine with the mechanical soft. So I'm pretty sure at this point they're not going to choke, but I always think safety first. So I want to be sure. 
So I'm not going to give them much. I just want to see, I really don't care if they get any Ritz cracker. Actually, I just want to see if they can approximate their jaw on the cracker first and approximate their teeth on the cracker. And then if they can approximate, can they touch it? you know, really get to it? And then can they actually bite through it? Or do they use their head and like try to snap it? Or do they try to use their, like, um, so they move their head, so they kind of approximate and then shift their head to the side and then try to rip off a piece? Or do they try to move their head up and like use just the direction of moving their head up to break the cracker and get it in versus like biting on the cracker and biting through it? That's really what I want to know. If they can do that, then I'll give them a little bit more of its cracker and a tiny bit more Ritz cracker. So I'm just increasing from like a fourth of a Ritz to a half a Ritz to, oh my gosh, a whole Ritz cracker. Now, I'm not going to get to a whole Ritz cracker. I'm just going to be telling you. I can't tell you how many feeding valves I've done in my life a lot. I just don't do the whole Ritz cracker. That's just crazy talk. If you can do a whole Ritz cracker, you really don't need me and I don't even know what we're doing now, you know? So moving on. <laughs> so anyway, um, but not true. You probably might need me because maybe you can't do pureed or mechanical soft. I'm not sure. I didn't know there were so many ways to bite a cracker. There's a lot because <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it on one side, but then you have to do the exact same thing on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to do a little bit on the one side, a little bit on the other side, a little bit more on one side, a little bit more on the other side, a little bit more, more on one side, a little bit more on the other side. And really, I don't care if you can bite with the front of your teeth. I mean okay, that's important to know and do and stuff, but I really care about the sides because most kids will put it in the front of their mouth and mush it. If they can't bite, they're just going to want to put it in the front. And I really don't want them to do that because it's not safe because I surely don't want them to get too much cracker going in the front and then try to swallow that thing whole. So I really want them to do it on the side because they're going to, if they can't do it on the side, then they're going to keep trying to move their face so they can get it on the front anyway and I'm only going to give them a little bit so they're safe and that's going to tell me they're not biting on the sides right mm -hmm. so I don't need to feed it in the front then I also want to see are they picking it up once I know they're safe then I'll give them the same amount kind of on their tray the same level of what I've given them on the sides of their mouth on the front of their tray to see if they can pick it up and do it themselves and that's where I'll assess the front and that's also where I'm going to assess can they move their tongue to the side and move the food to the side to chew it so I have to assess if can they bite it and then also then, once they get it in their mouth and they have enough, can they chew it, form a bolus, and swallow? Mm -hmm. So Ritz cracker. So do all that with a Ritz cracker. Then why a vanilla wafer? So the vanilla wafer's next because a vanilla wafer, you have to be able to bite it, you know? And that's where you really start to see kids, like, kind of close their teeth on it and then twist their head to the side or twist their head up to try to use their head to break it off, not their mouth to bite it. So I really don't go to a Ritz cracker until, I mean, vanilla wafer until I feel really good about that Ritz cracker. They can move the food side to side, create a bowl of swallow it. They can really bite, chew, chew a couple times. If they're not chewing, if they're just biting, getting the Ritz cracker in their mouth, letting it sit there for a while and swallowing it, because remember, it dissolves quickly with saliva, so I know it's safe. I'm not doing a vanilla wafer because they're not chewing it. But again, fourth of vanilla wafer, half of the vanilla wafer, and the whole vanilla wafer is just cray-cray talk, and I don't even know. So then I've got all my pureed, mechanical soft, and regular with applesauce pudding, vanilla wafer, and Ritz crackers. All right, so now let's move to liquids. So for liquid, I need to assess, and I'm going to ask the parents questions, of course. So for liquid, I want to have a nosy cup with water, or I'm going to do a Tupperware cup, and I'm talking about old school Tupperware. It's got the plastic Tupperware, the lid that's kind of like not clear, you know, white, the white lid is kind of plastic with just the slit. I don't need the sucky cups, you know, the kind with the valve in it, and all, I don't need all that. I just want the Tupperware with the top, 
and I want the nosy cup. Cause but if got, you have that at home, the kids have bitten all that top off and it's all like shredded. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you can also buy like a pack of those for like $1.99 at Walmart. So they're not so bad. But yeah, you're right. They don't last forever. And you got, to, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, but that's what I want is a liquid with, and then I need a couple straws. So the first thing I want to do is I'm going to ask the parents, are they taking a cup? Are they not taking a cup? No, they're not taking a cup. So what I'm going to do now is go back to my pureed. And I'm not going to use Thicket right? I don't like thicket. You already know that about me. I don't like thicket. But it doesn't have a taste or a flavor. No, and I can't control it. Mm-mm. I don't like it because I can't control it. Plus, I think it's gross. But, I know a lot of people ask for it. Yeah, but the thing is, it gets the longer it sits there, the thicker and thicker and thicker it gets. And so with these kids, I need to have my stuff ready to go because they're not, I don't, I'm not dealing with people who have a lot of patience here, right? These little people. So I got to <laughs> so be ready, you know, and so I can't fix You got to move. You got like a 25 minute window. <laughs> I'm already dealing with people who don't like to eat. <laughs> so they certainly are going to wait for me to hold on. I'm fixing it in the kitchen. You know, not that doesn't happen. And I can whip this together quickly, quickly in a therapy room without really too much mess. So I take the blue nosy cup. I like the blue best. The pink there's, doesn't have enough space to work with. And I think the one up is green and it's just too big. So I like the blue nosy cup because it's kind of, you can squish it and it's got just enough to make a nice thick and liquid. So to create a thick, and I usually start with thick and liquids. I don't start with thin liquids because I don't know again what the child can really do and not do. So I always want to start off with the most conservative to the least conservative. So I want to take applesauce or pudding. I like applesauce. So I put applesauce in a cup. I usually start there. Applesauce, I always put applesauce first in the bottom of the cup and then add water. Stir, 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 stir. Again, with your maroon spoon, because what else would you use? (laughs) I'm confused. Anyway, stir, 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 a little bit of liquid. Stir, 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 a little bit of liquid. Don't do the liquid first and then add the thickener, the pudding or the applesauce to it because that it doesn't do as good. So start with the applesauce first, water, stir, 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 and then you can create how thick or thin you want it to be. How much? How much applesauce are you putting in the bottom to how much water? That's a good question. Um, Probably applesauce would be like one part to two part. Mm, You're kind of eyeballing how thick you want it. So you're probably putting in five about six uh, maroon spoons of applesauce so maybe like quarter of an inch on the bottom of the blue nosy cup and then you're adding like pro you only added like i would say three parts applesauce one part water and then I that gives go, people a good idea to measure. Yeah. And then I would go up a little bit depending on how thick it is. You know, it's not an exact science. So some people like the thicket because it is a more of an exact science, but but are kids an exact science? Are they going to eat it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I get, I get for um, like in a nursing home and things like that, you have to give very specific directions to the dining staff and stuff like that. It makes complete sense to me. And in a hospital, that kind of thing. But well, and in, adults have a better understanding of you need to eat this and yeah. you have to eat it thickened. And this is what we used to do it. Kids don't come no. like that. And, you know, it's so very rarely in kids, except when you're mixing up formula and stuff, do you have that exact whatever. But with thick and liquids, it's not so much, right? So you just need to make sure it's safe. And so I'll usually start with a lot of applesauce to a little bit of water, and then I add more water as we go. I, what I really do is I take a cup of water, and the reason I use water is because if the child chucks it and spills it everywhere, well, it's not going to go but so far because it's thick, you know, so you can contain your mess but I don't if I have a whole cup of like apple juice sitting there and they fling that across the room I've got a huge mess it's a huge mess (laughs) and to clean that up is going to take me like forever so pick water because the applesauce is going to make it taste 
you know. And kids don't mind water usually. They're pretty tolerant to water, I and think. An applesauce and pudding combo sounds gross. I wouldn't do that. That is gross. But I would do applesauce with water, pudding with water, but not an applesauce pudding water. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> that's gross. No, no, let's please. There's got to be some, like civility in this situation right I mean that's just that's just savagery animal living I don't know anyway okay so we're going to do applesauce a little bit of water so then I reason I like the nosy cup is I want to scooch the water or the thing the in the cup all the way to the end of the cup and then basically I'm just seeing what they can do with the cup can they close their lips on it can they approximate jaw stability what's happening there what's happening with their tongue what happens when they get the liquid in their mouth and then based on all of that I can figure out if I need to thin it up more, thicken it up more. Usually never thicken it up more because remember I'm starting super conservative. Anyway, but usually it's a thinning up more and how thin can I get before I know what they can do. And that right there tells me what they can do in terms of an open cup. So then I know I, I know how to, what cup to recommend, you know. So usually I go with the Tupperware. I usually don't assess with the Tupperware and with the little slit top lid kind of thing, but that kind of tells me what they need because that's going to tell me, I'm really looking to see what the jaw and the tongue can do in that situation and how they can control the liquid. Can they take it in? Does half of it come back out again? What does their tongue do? Are they tongue thrusting? Can they control that in their mouth? You know, and then if we really get into a lot of cup drinking and holding the cup with two hands, stability for the shoulders and the core and all that, I'm going to get OT involved. Right. You know, or PT too, you know, depending on what their body is doing. But that's a whole other thing. I'm just talking about food. You can do the same exact thing with pudding. Just with pudding to applesauce, you're going to need a little bit more part put water to the pudding to thin it up more. You got to have more water, less pudding to make it thinner. Whereas you would need less amount of water with the applesauce to make it thinner because the applesauce already has a lot of water in it. So that's why I'm going to figure that out. And then if I need to, I'll also do a straw. But the straw, you know, you're just going to use thin liquid water and you're not going to use a lot. And the, the straw and how to get a kid to drink from a straw, how to assess with that is really a whole nother podcast, but I'll have a straw if I need one. Now, if you want to get real all advanced with your feeding kit, you'll have this, but you'll also have Cheetos. But the problem with Cheetos are, and I'm not talking about the small Cheetos, not the small like little tiger, small cheesy Cheetos. Cheesy puffs. Yeah, I'm talking about cheesy puffs, but not the ball, the stick kind, mm -hmm. you know, because then that tells you, okay, can you, um, because they also dissolve quickly in your mouth, but you don't want to do this for a kid that you don't think has a little bit of chewing kind of thing, but then it tells you, all right, how wide can they open their jaw and how strong of a bite can they have or not have, because you have to really try to bite to get through that whole Cheeto, the Cheesy Puff Cheetos, mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes I'll have the Cheetos, but they, they get um, super stale, super quick. So that's more of a specialty item. And I don't really carry those all the time. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here. That's, that's Cheesy puffs are a specialty <laughs> item. That's a specialty <laughs> item because they get stale so quickly. So you just can't keep them forever because, you know, you buy them one week and they're stale the next. So I'm like, ugh, forget it. The cheese puffs can't do it. And really the cheese puffs don't come up that much. You can really figure out what you need from a vanilla wafer. Well, if you get into the cheese puffs, you're really getting more to therapy. Anyway, okay, so that's what I think you need in your toolkit for a basic feeding of owl. Again, ideally, you want to have the parents bring in the food and what the child can and can't do, but this is what you have if you don't have anything else or um, you're doing sort of an impromptu feeding of owl. Well, and I think that's a good thing to say too. Like, you want the parent to bring in the food because, you know, some parents are very much 
we eat all organic and some are like, yep. oh, we're vegan. And so it kind of caters to what their family specifics are and the brands that they use and that they're comfortable with so that they're not being asked to totally. consume something that we've approved, but that's more for their family and specific to them. If a family is bringing in food, I would never pull out any of this for all those reasons you just said, mm -hmm. because it's their child and they're feeding their child and it's very, food is personal, yeah. you know? And so I would never impose any of this unless I, I can't imagine a situation where I would. Plus their food's really going to be better than what I got right here. And it's what the child's used to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if they come in and the parent's like, oh, I don't want them to have any sugary foods and well, put on some vanilla wafers. Sugary. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of sugar and, and all that. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely wouldn't want to do that. So I think that's a really good point. Always go with what the family's going to bring in first. But this is just your staples. You got nothing And they else. didn't bring in anything. Got nothing, but you got to get some results. And of course, asking them too, like if they have feeding concerns and they didn't bring anything today, well, we have some stuff here on hand. This is what we have. Are you okay for that to be used? Absolutely. You're kind of gaining their consent to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, uh, and I ask, ask uh, lots of any allergies to anything. I have them look at the label. I have them look at all of that stuff to make sure that there's nothing there and I write all I document all that too as well yeah. but um but you're right this is just I got nothing and I got to get something you know I've got to get some results or I've got to do some therapy and I've got nothing I've got parent consent to do it but if it's a weekend week out thing of this this is not what you want to do you know one week two weeks maybe but that's really it then you gotta well, then you gotta have a discussion with a family about because if they're never bringing in the food for therapy and you're using this all the time then What's You're not advancing. Yeah, and do the, does the family really want to work on it? Mm -hmm. You know, because also they're not eating this every meal. So you want to also get them to bring in some of their stuff. So what do they really feed? It gives you a lot of insight to what really happens at the house. Well, and here at If they PD bring their own stuff in. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, and here at PDT, um, you know, we, we ask that our therapists not bring in anything for feeding. So we don't want anybody to prepare anything at home, like cutting fresh fruit. I know that's healthy, but again, just the safety factor yeah. for that. So that's why we ask parents to bring in food. So again, I think just another... Right, right. Point. Because God forbid, I mean, what, I mean, say we're, you know, our, we have all good intentions of say I'm cutting up a banana back in our break room, right? Well, that's not a treatment area in our break room. And how do I know that the person that was right and there before me, who, who may have thought they did a great job of wiping down the counter, didn't or whatever, and somebody had some peanuts and some child's allergic to peanuts. And then I've exposed this child to something I didn't even mean, I mean, with all good intentions, but it's just a bad idea, right? So just have the parent bring in the banana you cut it up right there in the room with their utensils, their stuff. It's all safe that they brought in and, and, and all, and then, or have the parent cut up the banana. Cause then you can see how they prepare it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh yes. Okay. This child parents giving them a banana slice to them is half a banana. You maybe you have to recalibrate portions. And then the <laughs> other parent like breaks the banana <laughs> on each little <laughs> into the, like this minuscule piece. And you're like, okay, well we're going to need to do you something a little bit that. bigger than that. <laughs> you know? So you learn a lot when they fix it too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All of that's really good points. Thank you. That's really good. All right. Well, I enjoyed it. I love talking about this. <laughs> I enjoyed hearing about it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. And my solid um, bushy. <laughs> <laughs> it tells you a lot about uh, curiosity my perspective. I'm like, wait, <laughs> no, there's a lot more than bushy solid here. <laughs> no, I think it's really cool. I think it's fascinating. Fun. All right, cool. These are actually foods that I also can't eat on a regular basis <laughs> because I've used them so much in therapy, but no, run out and get yourself some pudding, applesauce, vanilla wafers, Ritz crackers, and a nosy cup. 
There you go. You'll be good to go. All right. Thank you, guys. We have more stuff on the Working Therapist. Uh, you can also, you can access that for the Working Therapist website, uh, pediatricdt.com website, and that, that links you to the Working Therapist. And check out the blog at, on Hayden's Place. And I've got a blog with a bunch of stuff, information, and I'll put, add some more stuff in here about this as well. So look at that. Uh, check that out sometime too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 